0: Welcome back to Burgundy Blogcast. It's Sunday, January 7th, 2024, 9 p.m. hour on the East Coast. My name is Brent. I am the dude and the only dude from Burgundy Blog. You can follow me on Twitter at Burgundy Blog if you wish. Today, the Washington Commanders played and lost their final game of the 2023 NFL season, 38-10 at the hands of the hated Dallas Cowboys in Landover at FedEx Field, although there was nary a Commanders fan to be seen in that crowd. And the record fell to 4-13, and which of course is almost as bad as they've ever been. It's the end of the season. It's plainly the last night of the Ron Rivera era. But it's the beginning of something new and hopefully beautiful. Because in a couple of weeks, your favorite franchise will have a new president, a new general manager, a new head coach and coaching staff, an exorbitant amount of salary cap space, a treasure trove of draft capital. And of course, most importantly, an owner whose name is not Dan Snyder. It's a bad ending, but a hopeful beginning. A termination, but a germination. And possibly, finally, a redirection towards restoration of Washington football. Look, even a fan as cold, and calculating, and emotionless as me, has a hard time stomaching a Dallas Cowboy win not only in a rivalry matchup, but of the division and the second playoff seed in the NFC, much less a season sweep in the head-to-head, and in fact losses in two fairly high-profile situations at that. I don't like it. I hate that we're here. I hate that it took this to get the reboot and the draft prize. I hate that. But it's what the franchise needed, and it's what we as fans needed, even those who kick and scream, at swallowing the pill. Obviously, I hope the Cowboys season gets extinguished as soon as possible in the playoffs, preferably immediately. But this had to happen, and it's great that it happened. The Commanders finished the season with eight straight losses. They went from 4-5 and five to 4-13. and 13. It was an ugly, brutal season, but it's so, so much better than 8-8-1. Eight, eight and one. We got Crystal Clarity for the new owner at head coach, we got crystal clarity at quarterback. We as fans, to the extent it's possible, can be unified in the transition. The second pick in any draft, and in this draft, as much as any draft, with three or potentially by then four quarterbacks, all candidates for top three picks, is so immensely valuable and so drastically more valuable than, say, 16 or 13 where we've been in recent years. It's the kind of thing that a new administration a new scouting staff, and a new coaching staff can use to start clean and start together in alignment and without any excuse to completely reboot and move forward together in lockstep. This will be such an incredibly rare opportunity to match a new owner, a new GM, a new coach, and a new quarterback all together, bound together, accountable to each other, none handcuffed by the plans of their predecessor. At this exact moment, I I certainly don't know yet, and honestly, it's not that important yet whether that pick is Caleb Williams or Drake May or Jaden Daniels or Michael Penix or Harrison or Fashanu or Alt, or if that pick transforms into many other picks. I don't know yet, and that's not the point. I just believe we deeply needed, and I'm very excited that we actually got, this opportunity for a completely clean slate. No excuses, nearly unlimited options, everything on the table. Obviously, nothing about this even remotely guarantees success. That is a very common and I think very painful objection on Twitter to my enthusiasm for total collapse and complete reconstruction. It's not a guarantee. I know it. Not even the number one pick is a guarantee. Not even five number one picks are a guarantee. All of these people need to be good. We need good people and they need to make good decisions. And the draft picks need to be used wisely. And yes, a million top two draft picks could be wasted. I get it. But for the new GM and staff to have almost every option and therefore no excuse, the table is just so perfectly set to at least maximize the chance of success. That is what this is about. Advantage and opportunity. The new regime will have such an advantage. And it's so exciting. I don't wish to pile on Ron Rivera as his tenure in Washington ends so ignominiously. I do not feel he deserves my scorn or contempt. I think he's a good guy with good intentions. I don't think he's a clown like a Jim Zorn or a Ben McAdoo. But in the coming days, I'm not going to linger on any sappy tributes. I think there's going to be a lot of sentiment that even though his record was bad, he deserves great credit for rescuing the quote-unquote culture. But to be honest, I'm, I'm definitely more than ready and, in fact, anxious to turn the page. I do think Ron Rivera is a man of and has helped construct a team of character. And I think that's useful to a degree and admirable. But in the NFL, character is not the same as and, in fact, it's not as important as culture. His charge in coming here was to rebuild the culture, which means to reset a standard for and to attain excellence. And in this league, excellence is measured first, second, and third by winning. A good culture in the NFL, in my opinion, produces sustained winning because it knows what it takes to win and demands it without exception. Rivera in Washington did not produce a culture anywhere near that. His teams in all four years were marked by flat starts, flat finishes, many long losing streaks, inexplicable high-profile upset losses, habitual major mistakes, and susceptibility to huge plays by the opponent he may have collected a team of mostly good teammates and he may have contributed at least to ending the cycle of hiring frat boys in the front office but those are not miracles or even medals those are pretty standard expectations as for culture the one he leaves it might be a close locker room but it is anything but excellent (laughs) So the events of the next couple of weeks will be fascinating and hopefully exciting. Maybe I'll do some update pods as things happen one by one. The Harris Group so far has done a tremendous job of keeping their plan under wraps. I do expect it will not conclude before a very thorough and exhaustive fact-finding research and interview process. However, I do suspect that a substantial chunk of that process has already started behind the scenes. I could be entirely off base, but my prediction is would be that sometime fairly soon, maybe even in the next few days, if the individual is not already under contract by another team, or at least by another team that's still playing, Harris might tab some sort of president or really big picture overseeing executive. Maybe this Don Aponte gal who's currently in the NFL office, maybe sort of a GM emeritus type, like Kevin Colbert with the Steelers, or somebody of that ilk who's not currently with a team. After that, I think we'll be A fairly traditional, at least in terms of title, but not quite omnipotent GM. I don't necessarily mean traditional in terms of style, because I think this person will be especially well-versed in the analytical side. But I bet GM will still be in the title, and I think this person will be viewed as the top authority for draft free agency and roster control. Now, if it happens to be Ian Cunningham, who's my top hunch, he's with the Bears, and they're finished. So that probably wouldn't have to wait very long. But, of course, if it's somebody from the Niners, Eagles, or Ravens, we'll have a little bit of a wait. If it's not Cunningham, I'm going to be pretty shocked if it's not somebody whose resume has several years with either the Ravens or Eagles or both. I also think the GM is more likely to be a first-timer than a retread. After GM, of course, will come the coach. I think I heard that if it's a coach from another team, which it almost certainly will be, then that has to wait until January 22nd, but I'm not 100% certain on that. I don't have a super strong gut feeling on coach. But I think everyone's darling Ben Johnson, I personally believe it's not super likely that it ends up being him. That's mostly because the small piece of information I've referenced here previously from an agent included the notion that he does not have any previous working relationship with at least one GM candidate that Harris is supposedly high on. And so Cunningham, for example, at least to my knowledge, has no close overlap. I don't really think that whether it's an offensive or defensive minded head coach is necessarily make or break. Obviously, the trend in the NFL in recent years is more towards offensive head coaches, especially young ones. But D'Amico Ryans, for example, is making a good, a good case that's not necessarily what you got to do. There is this important idea, though whether he's your head coach or not, it's pretty mandatory in the NFL right now that you have a very, very, very smart person running your offense. And so if your head coach is a defensive or even special teams guy like a John Harbaugh and you're going to depend on a fairly independent brilliant offensive coordinator like Ben Johnson in Detroit for example then you're going to run into if your team is successful the sort of problem that Dan Campbell is having right now which is that your offensive coordinator whenever it works is going to get poached and so I think it makes it a little harder to have continuity obviously Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay are never going to have that exact kind of problem Whoever the coach is, my top priorities are number one, schematic intelligence, and number two, toughness. I think in recent years, the 49ers and the Chiefs coaches have been successful primarily for the former, whereas the Ravens and the Steelers coaches in the AFC North have been successful primarily for the latter. But you got to have both. And as long as there's good reason to believe that the GM and the coach will be on the same page philosophically, then I think I'll be happy with it. So here comes what should be a super compelling couple of weeks. Check me on Twitter at BurgundyBlog for updates. And I'm really looking forward actually to an upcoming season and before that offseason of open-mindedness and I'm sure some surprise and of, for the first time in a long time, feeling like I won't have to shut my brain off if I just want to support the front office and the staff and even the players with a legitimate benefit of the doubt. I look forward to supporting them without prejudice or reservation. And I hope that's something that the fan base can rally around and find some solidarity in. And I think that would really enhance the interactive experience of each of us with each other and with the team.